Uh, hi there, listeners. This is Scooby Dudes. This is a podcast about two best friends who talk about their favorite metal kids that are dumb dog. My name is Evan. My name is Luke. Great. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through this introduction really, really quickly. We cannot waste any time, but we still need to be funny. So Luke, Luke, do you have a joke yeah. for us? Uh, two guys walk into a bar. Uh, the second one should have ducked. See, it's all it's all about the delivery. That's that's what that's the joke that I said last episode. I thought it was really good. I wanted to use it for this episode too. And I felt I also felt like I could have improved on your friend's delivery a little bit. The second one should have ducked. You didn't even improve on my delivery. <laughs> Uh, maybe like a little more like create a little more mystery at the front end of it like two friends walk into a bar the the second one should have ducked oh oh sorry but you know what it's Oh wait! No, yeah, we, it, we gotta get into the it's been communicated that to me joke. that in, gotta... introductions they need to be they need to be funny and they need to be short. So no, need to be uh, people can't wait around for our introductions. Do, do we need to tell them a brief a premise of this episode? Tell them about what they're yeah, looking we should at. Tell them what episode we're, that we're doing this week. Uh, premise on Valentine's Day: the gang investigates some mysterious disappearances of teenagers on Lovers Lane while Shaggy and Scooby catch up with old girlfriends. But the culprits behind it all turn out to be. <gasps> I'm not gonna say that part of the premise because they shouldn't have written that in there. <laughs> Uh, and and what is the uh, what is the show that we're doing? Oh, we're doing uh, what's new Scooby Doo season three episode three, a Scooby Doo Valentine. All right, now now don't don't speed up the theme song when you play it. Oh gosh, I'm gonna do that now. That's, don't do that. It's already happened. I need to stop explicitly asking you not to do things. Oh man, it's to, to me that is like a command. <laughs> I need to use reverse psychology. Reverse psychology. If you could effectively use reverse psychology so I don't see it coming, you could control me. That would be better than mind control Luke, on me. please don't slow down the... No, because then you would slow it I down. I would slow it down. <laughs> yeah. Luke, please don't play the intro exactly as it is. Exactly as your cousin helped us mix it. What I'm actually going to do is do the first half really fast and then slow it down. <laughs> What I think is funny about speaking, uh, and I'm putting quotes around this quickly, mm. is that some of it is just saying words differently as if you were saying them faster. Wait, wait, like what? <laughs> like, what are you thinking? You're just letting the syllables flow into each other a little bit more. But I don't think, like, I think you could speak at a normal mm -hmm. speed, but not actually go any faster just b and make people think you were speaking more quickly. Just by making the words butt up against each other, almost like removing the blank spaces between words in a document. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're adjusting, not the kerning, but the, um, I don't know what the, I can't remember what the word is for the space between the words. Kerning is the letters, is the space between the letters. Yeah, it's a space between letters, but it's also a little bit the space between words, isn't it? A little bit. Anyway. A Scooby-Doo Valentine. Yeah, it's Valentine's, um, two days from when this episode releases. Mm -hmm. What are, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? This is the first I've thought of it. This is the <laughs> first, and, and to be clear, we're not recording this well in advance, people. Like, this is coming, this is being recorded two days before we release it, which again is two days before Valentine's Day. I have not given it the slightest brain cells effort of what I will do with my wife and the love of my life, Ipti Sam. It's a, she left. 
mind you, like for for our listeners, she has exited the apartment. I think on a run, I think she'll be back, but I don't know. Uh, it might be a different story on Valentine's Day. We'll probably do nothing, but I'll probably write her a nice handwritten note. Or, oh man, you know, we're thinking of having my wife, Empty Sam, on the podcast for our special fiftieth episode. That'd be really wonderful. I I really oh, look forward to that. But I feel like I come off as such a terrible husband in all of these episodes where we mention her. I was about yes, to wait, s- Luke. Yeah. Only, only in these episodes do you come off as a terrible husband. Nowhere else. I would say in real life, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a, I'm good to her. But I was about to say for Valentine's Day, I might send her an email. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a romantic. Huh? I'm a lover. Just send send her a text. Just send her a single, uh, less a uh, less than sign and a three. Okay, I still want to be married after Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't want to be alone. Uh, but I no, like truthfully, I don't have any plans for Valentine's Day. I'm not doing what the gang is doing and going back to their hometown, which I presume is Coolsville, but they never say. I believe it is Coolsville. Mm. Um, so let's let's start this episode proper by establishing that Luke uh, will not be making any romantic overtures towards his uh, life partner. <laughs> <laughs> I I will send an email. So. Valentine's Day. This is a Valentine's Day episode. I'm a horrible lover. No, I'm a horrible <laughs> husband. I'm an amazing lover. They're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> You're one of those rare double threats. <laughs> who's wait? Who's bad at both or who's good You're at both? Bad at both. Okay, yeah, because threat is not a good thing. No one makes you a threat. <laughs> but triple threat sounds good. Triple threats all good things. Why is it a triple negative is a positive? That doesn't make sense. Oh, man. Uh, boy. So the gang is heading back to Coolsville. We open up with the gang, as ever, driving in the mystery machine on a long road. Daphne says to open us up that it feels like they've been driving for years. What I really like about this, this little opening, and, and I don't have a ton of notes to say about it, what I will say is they treat it like it's a family road trip where Fred is the dad and everyone else is a child. Velma calls Fred grandma for keeping his foot on the brake. And they're driving, kind of like when we drove, funny enough, when we drove to my wedding in California, it was like all these windy cliffside roads that kind of make you nervous. You have to have a lot of confidence in the driver. And Velma's criticizing Fred, not for driving too slow, but for using brakes. And Fred, of course, says, if you don't quiet down, I'm going to turn this car around right now. It's such a great take. And I wish that they had expanded it. Like, I can see an entire episode that is a road trip episode. Oh my gosh. I desperately now want a Scooby-Doo episode that is just their life on the road, absent of mysteries. Like, they'll encounter a mystery, but then we immediately cut to when it's solved, and then they're back on the road. Because, because when you think about it, so much of the Scooby-Doo franchise has to revolve around them driving from place to place, but that actual drive is never focused on. Yeah, it's, we never get that detail, but that is the majority of their lives, to, to be frank. So that's, and we, and we do get a little bit of detail about their life on the road in this episode, which I enjoyed. Um, from, from that little driving intro we see, we cut to what I thought of as make-out point, but what was actually called Scenic Cliffs, crossed out, Lover's Lane. Which seems... A little on the on the nose. Do you know what I mean? Like Lovers Lane is what people call an area like that, where you know, where where teens will will drive up, they'll park their cars, they'll mm. uh, 
fool around. What What are you doing? What are all these gestures you're using right now. <laughs> do not you learn sign do not language? describe the gestures me? for our listeners. <laughs> I wish I could. I don't know. You, you're miming a Rube Goldberg machine, as far as I know. I thought I was a competent lover until this moment. <laughs> but you think Lover's Lane in your mind is the generic name, because for me, it's make-out point. T- to and me, to be clear, neither of us had a version of this at any point in our lives. We did not drive in high school. I just think I just think that Lover's Lane is what people refer to that area as, but it's never, like, written down anywhere. I feel like the writing it down is so, like, it's too obvious. But it's it's graffitied on is the thing. Is that scenic uh, point or whatever, scenic cliffs is the official name on the sign, and then it looks like someone not spray-painted, but shellacked actual paint. They got a bucket, they agitated it until it was loose, and then they painted over to say Lover's Lane. To me, that's not the act of one of the lovers. To me, that's the act of a bitter, lonely person. Oh, I completely agree. No lover goes up there to scenic cliffs and they're like, I can't make out in front of a sign that doesn't say Lover's Lane and then they paint it. No, that's someone who's like, scenic cliff, this is Lover's Lane, no one ever takes it. And they ran out of, uh, they ran out of paint right before they could put the, uh, the quote marks around lovers. (laughs) Let's be honest, this was George the Mailman who wrote this. Who, who we will get to. Let's, let's, now that we spend so much time on the the etymology and um and this sign itself um there there is a couple they are parked at scenic point slash lovers lane um and you know the first thing i thought um seeing seeing this this scenario you know they're in a car it's nighttime they're like young attractive people um i thought of six words one two three four uh Mandor handhook car door. Mandor handhook car door. What are you talking about, my friend? Are you serious? Okay, this is wonderful. This is um so one of my favorite things to do is um is is sort is typically when I'm reference memes, you're a little bit more familiar with them. But this you know like 4chan like a green text? Yeah, although in this case it looks like a pink text. Um yeah, so this is basically someone on 4chan who was um retelling uh, uh what they call like creepy pastas or like a scary story and so they were sort of retelling that story about um the guy and the girl he he goes and leaves her alone in the car and then there's scratching and she's screaming and y- y- you know the story can, can i give it a brief read you want to read the whole thing it? okay you know what i'm gonna cut all of that but can i just give it a brief summary yeah, go ahead. Give the because summary. it's it's almost not worth the. Re- Please go read this yourself. Mandor handhook car door. I'll, I'll put a link to it. It's like someone who speaks English as a second language wrote a uh, a creepy ghost story set at makeout point, and the ending of it is the girl gets out of the car to check for where her boyfriend is and mandor handhook car door. None of which were things that were set the, up. The telling <laughs> basically just gets progressively lazier. Yeah, there's to... more and more detail left off the page and in the author's mind. Um, so one, like, basically this turned into a, what I'll dub a minor meme. It spawned a few different iterations. One of which was a wonderful little intersection with the, uh, with another great Tumblr meme, which was, um, the lyrics from Fireflies? By Ocean Sit, Ocean... Owl City, you would not believe your floor if Mandor had a car door. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I gotta say, I enjoy that. Um, so, so all of this to say, and, and we will cut that down. Whatever you're hearing right now is vastly reduced. 
that um, this couple does not come across the faded man door, hand hook car door. Instead, a shadowy figure uh, leans down from the windshield. Mm. Is that accurate? Actually, a shadowy figure, because I got a note on this, tears through the ceiling of the car, and they really put some detail in that ceiling upholstery that he peels back. And it's a very humanoid uh, silhouette that's just basically menacing them from the roof of the car. Uh, and, and then I guess the episode begins proper. So we open up, they're back in Coolsville. And for listeners who've heard The Creeping Creatures, Luke and I are very enamored with the idea of what how the gang lives. Because in that episode, Fred sort of waxes poetic on on their life together, all living in a single in a single home, or at least him and Shaggy and Scooby. When this when it got to this part of the episode, I thought everyone lived in the same home together. But it seems like it's just Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby who are in the same home. And I this is a gut call. Tell me if I'm off base on this, but that's Shaggy's home, I think, right? It it does look it's not clear. M- more like it it's Shaggy's place and that fred and also lives there and not that they co-own yeah and like shaggy's wearing his green bathrobe which makes it seem like it's more his home whereas fred is buck naked so you're like oh this is a little bit more of shaggy's home no fred's wearing just his normal clothes when they wake up in the morning and they're like making breakfast it felt a little coupley i'm gonna be honest it it rode there's something very domestic about it very domestic it rode the line between these guys have no like sexual anything between them and it's so full and realized that nothing even needs to be said. How does this scene progress? So basically, it turns out that, um, and, and here, I guess this is when I'll note it and not later, but they're not known as Mystery Incorporated in this episode and, and presumably on this entire show. They're known as the Scooby Gang. It's true. And apparently the Scooby Gang has made such a name for itself um, around the world, across the nation, whatever, that their return is sort of heralded in Coolsville. People are like, oh, nice, they're, they're back in town. They're going to be back. Yeah, I think George the Mailman shows up to deliver some mail, and he is already aware that they're back because they're famous. He brings back all of their mail. It is also around Valentine's. He has three very special pieces of mail to deliver to these three men, each one a Valentine from a secret admirer. Uh, we then go over to Daphne and Velma's place. It seems that they are, are cohabitating much more explicitly than, than Fred and... Uh, Fred and Shaggy, because you can you can tell, you know those um, stories about like nightmare college roommates. Oh yeah, where we, well, we you have one of those I think about me. <laughs> we you and I are very good friends now. Yeah, but for our listeners, we were not good roommates to one another. We our friendship went on a little bit of a hiatus when we became college roommates. But it's it's fine. Things are good now. Things are good now. You don't have to deal with me never changing the trash despite always putting fruit in it. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> I know. You, okay. I was terrible. You deserved better. And eventually you got it. So at one point, we never got to this point, but I think um, sort of the picture of a terrible college roommate is someone who takes tape and tapes down the center of oh. the room. Mm-hmm. My and, space and your space. Bisects it, right? Um, mm. And Daphne and Velma's place is kind of like that, in which one half is carpeted. There's like nice wow. up, um, furniture and upholstery, whatever. It's it's well designed, and the other half has like sterile tile. It's like a sterile tiled floor, and there's like lab equipment. It's amazing they put that much detail into the setting. I didn't catch that, so I'm glad that you did. Uh, 
it, that makes it because I was about to say this seems like a Daphne Blake mansion because it's such a nice place, but that really implies that it's their home. Yeah, they have that they own and can return to anytime they want. They, these guys got money. They have equal ownership. Is what is what it looks like. This doesn't belong to just one of them. They both have their own space. And again, here, like it's easy to interpret this as they're a couple. Uh, Daphne and Velma also receive some valentines from George who swings by. Uh, he drops them off. George also uh, seems to have a little bit of an interest in Velma. Can we describe what George looks like very we quickly? We can, but it's going to sound mean. That's why I want you to do it. <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. I was about to say some mean things about him, then I pulled up a picture, and now I have to say more mean things about him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a mailman with a short sleeve, short shorts kind of look. He's got a real big nose. Like a lush nose, by which I mean an alcoholic's <laughs> nose, with what looks like split blood vessels and stuff like that. Okay. He has orange hair. He is a, a big, big dude. You know what? That's all I need to say. He looks jovial. <laughs> Jolly. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like you realized um, that a backhanded compliment was the best way to go about it, because backhands hurt. Like, quite a bit, yeah. actually. <laughs> There's more knuckle on the back of the hand. That's what I'm saying. George, You get more rings with that. George seems like a nice guy. And he, uh, he's again, seems like he might be a little bit sweet on Velma. He says, oh, Velma. At, at this point, yeah. George seems like a nice guy. At this point, George seems like a nice guy. <laughs> Later on, he will seem like a nice guy. Nice guy. <laughs> yeah, air quotes. <laughs> but again, he seems kind of interested in Velma. He says, oh, Velma, of course you figured out... You're on, you already know about this mystery that's going on. You're so smart. And to be fair, Velma kind of blushes at George's apparent interest. So we, we move from here, outside of the gang's respective homes, to um, the scene of the crime, uh, Lover's Lane. Uh, so apparently those two teens were, were kidnapped or abducted. Um, and what is incredible to me about this and, and I described it as a crime scene is it is so clearly a crime scene because there are police there yeah there are police all over the place and one of the victims is sitting like on the crime scene with one of those like blankets over them drinking like some tea or some coffee as cops interrogate her and she bemoans why did they take Max my boyfriend and leave me she also describes the circumstances that she was like kept in which is that she was tied up blindfolded and then they released her to go but some for some reason kept max and if you're wondering if that ties into the mystery it does not <laughs> not at all not even um, a little bit it's it's super real like it's, yeah, it's so too real. real i don't think this has ever happened in in my memory and obviously we haven't watched all of this show maybe this is more common than we think but that it's an actual crime scene yeah, and look, kidnappings are an ugly, ugly crime. But when they happen in Scooby-Doo, we might not need to see that part of it. The, the aftermath, the tragedy, and the trauma. Apparently, um, these, these two, this most recent couple, one of whom was returned, they're not the only couple. A number of other couples have also been kidnapped and abducted. Also, we discover uh, a clue, some paste, some dirt-colored paste on the ground. As, as is her want. Um, Velma touches it with her fingers. De Fred would have, but it didn't even look like blood. So just forget that. <laughs> Fred uh, only Fred only touches blood. There is also um, a a grouchy officer of the law, uh, not to be confused with the grouchy officer of the law on Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. This mm -hmm. man has uh, graying hair. He has sunglasses. He's voiced by. Uh, he's voiced by Dan Castellanato. 
he voices Homer Simpson and some characters in Futurama, of course. Um, and I have to say, the way they introduce this cop uh, is the gang turns around to, to face this voice behind them, and then we have a pan up from the ankles to the top of the head. And this cop is a bit of a silver fox, let's be honest. He's got broad shoulders, he's got a strong chest, he really fills out his let's, slacks. Let's be less honest. Let's Okay, sorry. <laughs> the cop looks fine. Um, what I like about this cop and his relationship with, again, the Scooby gang, mm. is it's like I'm watching Black Lightning right now. On um, It's on the CW in America. It's on Netflix here in Canada. I haven't tried that yet. And it's, a, it's the same kind of thing. It's good. It's good for a superhero show. It's very black uh, in, an, in an authentic way. I think it's really, I think it's really excellent. Mm. My, the connection mm. that I'm trying to make is um, when Black Lightning is fighting crime or whatever, the police are kind of like, yeah, but he's a vigilante. Like, we we need to stop him. We don't support him and his actions. And that's kind of the relationship I feel between the police and, and the Scooby gang, is they're just like, yeah, you're solving crimes, but you're making us look bad. And you have no, like, jurisdiction. Oh, yeah, you mean the the way cops should feel about a vigilante. I have to <laughs> yes. say, there's there's a bit of a double standard when these shows present, like, uh, these corrupt cops are taking the law into their own, they're doing what they want, and there's no accountability and oversight, so I'm gonna do the same thing with superpowers. Also, while we're at Lover's Lane, Shaggy sees his ex-girlfriend, which is a bombshell. Uh, her name is Rachel, and she has a dog. I don't know what breed it is. I'm bad at dog breed. I would say Whippet. Which, is it a genuine okay. dog breed? I don't think what she does with uh, aerosol canisters has anything, no bearing <laughs> okay. on uh, the... Okay, we don't need to tell our innocent, uncorrupted viewers, <laughs> listeners. Okay, so listen, what you do is you buy an aerosol can, you get a paper bag. Evan, I swear, if in the show notes you put specific instructions on how to do whippets... <laughs> and I mean, I mean the drugs or the dogs. I don't know how to, how to do either, Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Whippets are like greyhounds. They're they're very small, thin dogs. I think I cited whippets in an older episode as a breed of dog that would make sense as a romantic interest for Scooby. So I was actually it made a lot of sense. They're to like me. greyhounds, but less long. They're like smaller, even skinnier <clears throat> greyhounds. Shaggy's ex girlfriend Rachel says that she's a reporter, and she is kind of wearing that reporterly kind of jacket and wrap dress. Um, she's voiced, I would bet cash money. I haven't even looked it up by the same person that voices Velma. Um, yeah, she's blonde. She's um, conventionally attractive, as, as I like to say. Uh, Roxanne, her dog, is a whippet, like you said. And, and the real bombshell, it, it's, a, it's big enough that Shaggy has an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that on huge. its own. But for us to get to go back and see a bit of their relationship in a flashback, whoa. Because it turns out Shaggy broke up with Rachel. And he broke up with her so that he could hit the road with the gang, and he didn't want a long-term relationship. A, a long-distance relationship. Long-distance, excuse me. One thing about this episode is that they're not shy about getting into some kind of, I don't know, they, they're not making easy... What am I trying to say here? I like how much this episode is about romantic relationships. They didn't have to do that for a Valentine's episode, funny enough. It, it is, like, like the cops, it is very real. Like, yeah. the reason for their relationship failing is grounded and yeah. and logical it's true if you're going to be on the road for however long out of the year it's tough to to keep that going yeah and and if you come back to your hometown where you broke up with someone it would be awkward to to meet her 
or to, or him or her see that person again. And if you find out that person is dating J.C. Chazé, then it would be even more devastating, I assume, if you know who J.C. Chazé is, which Evan and I do. We didn't have to look that up. We yeah. didn't watch the whole episode and then think, is that a real person? There's no way that before we started recording, I said, okay, pause. We need to check and see if J.C. Chazé is fictional or not. That yeah. did not happen. And there's no way I responded, there's no way he's real. <laughs> And then Googled him was proven wrong. This did, listeners, this did not happen. Yeah, we definitely know that he was a member of Backstrings and Sync. Yeah, we knew that. We know these things. Because, okay, so Rachel is now dating JC Chazé. And when she announces this, the gang reacts as if, oh, yeah, we know JC Chazé. Yeah, well, they don't. The, the episode makes no attempt to explain who that is. Shaggy and Scooby just laugh at it like it's a joke. Um, but later on, we'll find she really is dating J.C. Chazé of NSYNC fame, who appears in this episode voicing himself. It's pretty incredible. Um, the one thing I wanted to know... Okay, here's one thing. We'll find out in a minute. I'm jumping ahead a little bit to make a point that she met J.C. Chazé by entering a win-a-date-with-J.C. Chazé contest. And that detail really, really, really reminded me of Win-a-date-with-Tad-Hamilton. Oh, huh? the movie yes, starring the... that guy who was in that 70s show. Tucker Grace. Topher Grace. And uh, and in that movie, yeah. his love interest wins a date with a famous person, dates him for a while, but then realizes that Topher is the one she wants to be with because he knows all of her smiles. And a lot of that movie takes place at Makeout Point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Also, that movie came out one year before this episode. Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking, because I remember the trailers for that movie, they both seem very much of a particular era mm -hmm. and the same era. Yeah, and all, I guess what I'm getting at is that this episode, I think, is very likely inspired by that movie. Uh, whatever the case, while we're at Lover's Lane, the biggest bombshell, aside from Shaggy's relationship, is that the girl who's being comforted by the police accuses the gang of doing the crime. She says, those are the people that did it. They're right there. The whole gang. One last thing to, to backtrack. I know that you went ahead. Um, in the little flashback. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. When, when Shaggy breaks up with Rachel, what I think was really nice was that everyone was designed. They, they, they didn't just... Younger. They're not just the same. They actually are drawn slightly differently. Yeah. Shaggy was a little more baby-faced. He had a shorter, trimmer haircut. Shaggy is 100% clean He's shaven. no facial hair whatsoever. Even Scooby looked a little younger. Uh, which, was, which was nice. I think that's really great attention to detail. Less attention to detail was paid when Rachel threw a bowl of spaghetti at Shaggy, and it was a full bowl in her hand, but when it hit the wall, it was all sauce with, like, two noodles in it. So get your stuff together. Come on. The gang is accused. Apparently, that means nothing because they just yeah, oh, leave. They're, they're accused. The cops just let them leave. It'll play a part later on, but it's funny that nothing is done with this for the moment. So they're... Just finish your coffee. They're at a diner. Uh, they're being ignored by the waitstaff. This has nothing to do with anything. I guess this... You might th I thought that had something to do with something, too. I guess the diner just has bad waitstaff. I guess that's all it is. We also have a little gag with Scooby who, when we opened up in uh, Fred Shaggy's house, Fred was making bacon that Scooby really wanted... So Scooby swapped out the bacon with a sock and <laughs> ate the bacon. <laughs> Just steal the bacon, Scooby. Why do you have to throw a sock in the pan? Um, and and that, that happens again here in the diner in which they're not being served, and he sees a man about to eat a burger, so he eats the burger and replaces um, the burger with a hat. And funny enough, rule of threes did not come true in this episode. He doesn't do it a third time. Come on, Scoob. It really didn't. 
Uh, and there is a third food gag, too, so it's a little disappointing. Uh, but in the gag, oh, excuse me, in the diner, we do see Rachel and JC. And we learned that JC has a dog, just like Rachel. I, so JC, I, I wrote here in my notes, is very aughts. He's very, like, 2000s. He has a middle part on his hair, which I think just does not happen anymore. No, it doesn't. But mm -mm. at the time, that was not unattractive. I, there was a point in my life where I thought that was cool, where I wanted hair like that, and I've never had full enough hair to make that out. <laughs> like, a middle part is such a bold move for a balding man. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I mean, like, JC Chazé is fine. I don't like his dog. His dog is a very puggish little bulldog. I will say, with JC... Pecs. With Okay, you said it so I don't have to. That bulldog, it... These dogs are pudgy little skin flap things. Why does this little pug have pecs? I think it's because they wanted to show JC is to Shaggy what JC's dog Rico is to Scooby. But Scooby is mm -hmm. way hotter. It's not even close. Even with the pecs. Yeah. And all of them are less hot than Sexy Cop, who is just, again, silver foxing it up. I also... Silver foxy. To completely skim past that, um, the idea <laughs> that dogs... When dog owners date, their dogs date seems to be what I'm picking up here. I'm, I'm glad we're getting into this a little bit because I didn't watch this episode and think until I read the wikia that Scooby and Roxanne were necessarily dating. That was never stated. I guess we just have to read that into the longing looks between them, but it was nothing on the level of what we saw in the Beach Beastie a few episodes yeah. ago. So, um, I, I don't know. I think it just raises a lot of questions. Like, what about... Um, hmm. And, and draws parallels between between this and, like, Shadowlance, which was, like, a fantasy series where, like, there were dragon riders, like the dragon riders of Perth, which, now that I say it, makes it sound like they're Australian. So, it, Pern. The dragon riders of Pern. <laughs> okay, so you're saying it draws comparisons to this thing that you've made no okay. comparison okay, to sorry. just yet. Um, Wait, what's the so thing? It's, it's basically, like, um, people ride dragons and they have, like, these tele pathic connections to them and so when their dragons have sex the owners have sex <laughs> okay that is a very strong connection so um i'll explain it more in the show notes i'm sure you know i i like to imagine that shaggy and uh, scooby and roxanne have never dated that's just <laughs> something shaggy and uh, rachel have read into it the whole time one thing I want to say I liked about this diner scene is that Shaggy is devastated that Rachel has found JC, a cool, popular guy who, on top of all that, knows all about what Shaggy did to uh, Rachel. JC says in a nice but kind of borderline threatening way that, oh yeah, Rachel has told me all about you, Shaggy. And the thing that I really liked is that Shaggy is simultaneously hurt by Rachel's being with someone else, but he doesn't seem to want to be with Rachel again. It's, it's handling this in, a, I think, a pretty realistic way that people do feel those things that are not fair yeah and and i mean I, I feel like i've certainly been there where i did not necessarily want to date my ex again but them being with another person was hurtful to me what what really adds insult to injury salt in the wound lemon juice in the paper cut is that um jc as a member of nsync also travels a lot but has managed to keep his oh, long-distance right. relationship afloat. And Rachel really rubs that in. She's like, yeah, we managed to make it work long distance. I know we're trying to move ahead, but I'm going to go back for just a moment to when we first cut to Velma and Daphne in their little home. 
Um, Daphne's saying that she loves Valentine's Day, and Velma says, which part? The commercialism or the pressure to identify oneself in the context of a socially acceptable couple? And I don't think it's much reading into that to say, like, hey, you, if you, Valentine's Day lacks value if you can't be with who you want to be with, and that in some ways it can be negative. And I felt like there was a little bit of a lesbian thread. Which, which is to say, like, you're sort of playing that off as a joke, but there is... There are a lot of people who want to see that and who could read that into this episode. Yeah. No, I, I am playing that as a joke, but I do think this is a much more adult view of romance than we've seen anywhere else in Scooby-Doo. And I don't mean adult dirty. I mean adult mature. And I mean mature dirty. Um, so very quickly, it turns um, Velma analyzes the goop that was on the ground. It is an industrial strength adhesive. They're at Velma and Daphne's house. Uh, and once again, George stops by with the mail. Yes, he drops by. Uh, I think he gives out some more Valentines and he gets everyone's signatures. Everyone has to sign for the stuff. And then, more power to George, he asks someone out. Daphne thinks it's her. It's not you, Daphne. I want to ask out Velma. Gosh, George, I think you're a really nice guy, but you're just not my type. And then George goes from being a nice guy to being a nice guy. <laughs> a nice guy. <laughs> and listeners, if we don't, if you don't know what we mean by that, we mean the kind of passive-aggressive male who expects something in return for kindness, which is not real kindness if you expect something in return for it. Uh, he, he mumbles under his breath that girls are all the same, and then right before he exits the home also mumbles the words, you'll be sorry. I will say I don't think it's necessarily a threat because it could be saying, hey, I think you'll be less happy with the next person you're with because that next person's not going to be me and I could make you happy. That said, it's a little threatening and it's a bad you, No, thought. no, you're, Luke, Luke, you're right. He could be some, saying something along the lines of, um, not you'll, you'll be sorry, but you'll, you will rue the day <laughs> yes. you, you turned, turned me down. down. George. I, I think there's a little bit of a note in that you could read it that way at this stage. Whatever the case, we cut from there to the gang going back to the clearing. It turns out that the, the special uh, letters that they all signed for, those are Valentine's identical valentines that have been addressed to each of them telling them to go to um go to lover's lane at midnight so they are there they've parked the mystery machine and now they're in the woods freddie of course says they need to split up the interesting thing is that fred says he's gonna go off privately with daphne and he sends velma on her way with scooby and shaggy velma protests to this because she always goes with fred and daphne so why does she have to go with scooby and shaggy and what what do you think the significance of that is evan well, again, and, and I feel like we've said this a few times now this episode, we haven't seen all of uh, what's new Scooby-Doo. So maybe that is the norm. But it, it did seem very out of place for me that this is the first time that Fred says, Daphne and I are going to do our own thing. It, it also seemed like this was a thread that we were going to pick up. Like, oh, is there something like Fred wants to be alone with Daphne or Velma's uncomfortable being alone with Scooby and Shaggy or she wants to be... That we never follow up on that thread, and so there's just so much I want to read into it. Uh, at, at this point, we are finally introduced to the actual monsters in the episode. And it turns out that the monsters of the episode and, mm -hmm. were inside them all along. Yeah, oh, aww. They were the monsters of the episode. At least that's what we see is Scooby, Shaggy, and Velma are running around. They run into doppelgangers of themselves. I'm going to call these uh, demonic gang members... The doppelgang. Oh. 
the doppelganger. Mm-hmm. That's good. The, they're the doppelganger. And they're basically identical to all the original gang members, but physically, like, they have the physicality of Black Panther and they have glowing red eyes. I, I almost want to say the physicality of the Hulk, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, mm. They get chased around, and Fred and Daphne find a valentine that has been um, attached to a tree, and, and it has that old, you know, like, back in the day... Newspaper clippings. Yeah, you would cut out, like... No, not newspaper clippings, magazine clippings. So that you had different letters, so that it was a really painstaking way of masking your handwriting, I guess, before typewriters were invented? The funny thing to me is that they anonymized, the person who wrote this note anonymized their handwriting by doing magazine clippings, but then all of the gang's signatures are at the bottom confessing yeah. to the crimes. Their respective John Hancocks are all on this valentine. And they all are. So they apparently wanted to write the message anonymously, but really let people know who wrote that anonymous message. So Rachel is also there. She also received uh, an anonymous tip telling her to go to Lover's Lane at midnight. She is a reporter. What? She says it wasn't anonymous. She said it was them that reached out to her and said, come meet us at midnight. Correct. Sorry, that's my mistake. And uh, Officer McBride. No, it, and we also see the Silver Fox cop show up. Who okay, says Officer he, McBride. Officer Silver Fox. Saying McBride summons to mind Danny McBride, which is the furthest thing from this tall glass of water. It doesn't summon uh, Melissa McBride of The Walking Dead fame. No. <laughs> That's a, far, a hard no. Um, so, so Rachel and Silver Fox show up. Silver Fox, at this point, wants to arrest the gang, um, even though they confess to a crime, invite everyone to see the confession, and then said, hey, we didn't do this. So there's, like, some inconsistencies, but they're he, immediately he wants, thrown in the slammer. Which is to say, he wants to arrest them, so he does. <laughs> yeah. This time he wants to arrest them, so he does. And then we cut to the gang in the prison. Or j- jail, the- really. So they're taking mugshots, and I could not help but notice that all of these mugshots very conspicuously uh, have the numerals 69 in them. They have, th- the, the number on each mugshot was 37769, and then the numbers 5 through 9, different for each member of the gang. And what did you think of that, Evan? Of the 69 in each, uh, each mugshot uh Okay, let's numeral again. It's three seven seven six nine. So I feel like you're really zooming in on the part you like. <laughs> I'll say what. Okay, fine. What did you think of the six nine? But then, what did you think of the three seven seven? Okay, Luke. It's obvious. It's obvious what I thought about the sixty nine. That's present in each of these mugshot pictures. Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll just say this: three seven seven six nine, and then any other number makes a very a shade of turquoise on the RGB color space. So they're okay, all. You're actually the worst. They're I don't all, know why you do at this. At this moment, they're all different shades of blue since they've been arrested. Hmm. Hmm. Deep. Uh, everyone loves my Luke deep dives on information. And so I'm going to keep going. We also see in these mugshots the height of each members of the gang. And, uh, and I might have done a little bit of research to see how consistently that lines up with what's cited as the canon height for a lot of people online. Oh my gosh. Okay, please just hurry up. Which is, uh, th- there's this uh, attachment to a, some Scooby comics that came out a long time ago, or not too, a, a while ago, that lists the height and some of the characteristics of each gang member. I'm just going to go through it really quickly to say, basically, in this series... When I'm taking away is that Shaggy is the normal height, but just about everyone else is, across the board, three inches shorter than they normally are. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, that's that just a fun fact. You know what else is interesting about the number 69? Oh, come on, man. 
Uh, it's a reference to the year 1969, which oh is the, the year that Scooby-Doo Where Are You premiered on television. No, really? Yeah. Wow. I'm not making that up. Dude, that's a, that's a pretty amazing piece of trivia. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Um, so so uh, they're, they're not in... They're in jail. They're not in prison. You're right. They're in right? jail because they're waiting there's for a, There's a distinction. Um, and, and one of the distinctions is that prison prisons have higher higher security. Yeah. And jails are a little bit more right? lax. So in a jail, for instance, you might be allowed to use or bring in. You might be able to, to <laughs> use a pocket knife to carve a shiv. <laughs> Out of wood. Fred, not only did they let Fred have a knife in prison, but he's using that knife to create a second stabbing implement in the cell he shares with only his best friends. Oh my god. <laughs> so things have gone sour amongst the gang in this time. He's, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, They've also allowed Scooby to have a harmonica, which he's playing, and Shaggy to have a weight, which he is very much struggling to lift. So, so Rachel comes by, and she's sympathetic to them being imprisoned. JC comes by... And he's like, just confess already. You guys did it. Fess up. Meanwhile, Daphne and Velma are being interrogated by Sexy Cop in a room with so many lights. Officer McBride. Officer Sexy McBride. Uh, and Officer McBride tells them to, to be honest and tell the truth. And Daphne straight roasts him. Oh, she says he has a bad tie, ugly haircut, and the lights do nothing for his complexion. And Velma, Velma's a little bit more bold. She acts. She asks officer i want to be your bride if she can <laughs> uh <laughs> if she can enact a plan she's like i know freddie kind of thinks he has uh ownership of this line but i've got a plan um so one last thing about the prison there is one really wonderful little sight gag that i got a huge kick out of which is that fred um uses again mm -hmm. his pocket knife to scratch um he's tallying on the wall so he crosses it, so it's four vertical lines and then, a, and then a diagonal line through it to indicate five. And then he says, we've been here for five hours already. <laughs> I missed that. That's fun. That's fantastic. That, that prison cell would have been, that jail cell would have been so filled up after one weekend. I mean, like 24 hours, that's a day. But to be fair, I'd probably do minutes, so I can't blame him. Uh, we cut from the prison to Fred and Velma, no, excuse me, to Fred and Daphne at Makeout Point, or Lover's They're Lane. in the mystery machine, and they're making the most stilted, most awkward small talk about the weather. Yeah, I, I love this because they're so uncomfortable with each other. And we know from a previous episode that Velma, excuse me, that Daphne kind of has feelings for Fred, and Fred's feelings are opaque on this matter. We don't know. It, it turns out that this is all a part of Velma's plan. Mm. Velma, meanwhile, is sitting in another car. <laughs> okay, really quick. Da uh, Velma is sitting in another car with Sexy Cop. Scooby and Shaggy are sitting in yet another car in Lover's Lane, <laughs> also trying to lure the monster. Referred to as a contingency plan. Yes. I, I love that Shaggy is the dude and uh, Scooby is the girl, and Scooby's not happy about it, but Shaggy says, hey, it's, this is how it's got to be. You've got the legs for it. And I think we've cited elsewhere that Scooby is... T-H-I-double-C thick in that department. <laughs> Correct, Evan? Evan's nodding his head vigorously. You're like Tigger spelling his name. T-H-I-double-C uh, thick. <laughs> and like, like Tigger, Scooby's always <laughs> tucking his legs up and bouncing around on his thick little booty. Okay, enough. He can get some serious um, height. I really like Fred and Daphne. They're supposed to be on a date. 
and it's really I think it's really complex because I think Daphne kind of wishes that things were going better. Fred doesn't know how to behave. At one point, he is asked to put his arm around her. Um, when we when we go back into the mystery machine, they're in the middle of a conversation, and Fred is saying, "Of course, it's not as bad now that I take medicine for it." <laughs> you got you caught all of these little throwaway lines that I missed, and they're the best. And that is hilarious. <laughs> Oh man, and he, and at that point, I think he and Daphne are kind of snuggled up against each other. Uh, it nothing really comes of that. There's a moment where it looks like they might kiss, but then Fred just asks to open the window because it's a little stuffy and her perfume is overpowering. Um, I also have to say that Daphne and Fred are in their mystery machine trying to have a romantic moment. Scooby and Shaggy are in their car faking a romantic moment. There's no. Throughout the episode, we have references to Velma's potential romantic side, and now she's in the car with unquestionably the hottest character in the show. Do you think there's something there, maybe? I think that you want to keep bringing it up. Yeah, I do. I do, uh-huh. <laughs> do you think there could be something there, maybe? No. Will you look at this fan art that I drew of the two of them? Hmm? Look at that. Yeah, pretty nice, huh? Luke, not only is that disgusting, it's also anatomically impossible. Okay, come on, man. They're doing a position I like to call the 377. <laughs> you see, there's the 3, there's the 7, and if you zoom out, they both make the other 7. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so um, they're, they're the bait to the trap, and um, the monsters fall for it. Yeah, they show up, and here's where we realize that the monsters are, as you describe them, potentially Hulk-like. And here's the thing: Fred sees them. This is this is when there's a monster on the windshield. This is where this is where the monsters on a windshield. This is also where the monster car door hook hand, whatever. <laughs> the, one of the monsters rips the car door off, just willy nilly, and it, it goes flying into the air, a la Team Rocket, blasting off again. No, <laughs> blasting off again. Yeah, uh, it's. I have to say here, as I often say, this is never explained. There's no well, explanation. Here, here's for the it. thing, um, we we will get to that. Um, I will say again, they're on Lover's Lane or or Scenic Point, and as soon as they start to be attacked, Fred's first impulse is to stomp on the gas, hard. They're Do you on know the edge. What would have happened <laughs> if they had not been bodily lifted up by the other members of of the 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 doppelgang? They're so lucky. This is the one part. Fred has been a safe driver all throughout this episode, and this is the one part where he should have hit the brakes. He would he he would have killed them. He would have absolutely they would have been dead in a fiery crash at the bottom of Lover's Lane. So so there this um prompts a musical chase scene. Everybody's being chased by the doppelgang. Um, and here's the thing: I mm-hmm. the clones are super strong. Not only were they able to lift up the mystery machine, one of them, I believe it's Velma, rips out a tree by its roots and swings yes. it at the van holding. Um, Velma and Officer McBride. Velma is by far the scariest of these uh, doppelgang members. For one thing, because she can rip a tree out, like redwood out by its roots and chuck it. She can also jump to the highest uh, points of a tree in one leap. And worst of all, she fakes being the real Velma crying against a tree to lure (laughs) in Fred and Daphne. And then she turns around and scares and chases them. That was incredible. And... I kind of want to shame the rest of the gang for thinking that was Velma, because in what world does Velma weep against a tree? Weep against a tree. Velma's debatably the strongest 
character in this series. Like she has the most self knowledge and, and the most confidence and is the most emotionally stable. So th- that's on them. Um, it is a fun little chase scene, uh, and eventually, Velma and Officer McBride. They've set up what I call an Ewok-style log yes, trap. Yes, a Battle of Endor-style fallen tree swinging rope trap. Thank you, Evan. Oh, man. And also, they set it up right where the chase scene ends, as if they intentionally got chased to this point. I, I, I just want to make one brief note on the chase scene. I really like the music. I really like the action. Um, at one point, Scooby Tarzan saves Shaggy, swinging from some kind of vine, and then they both George of the Jungle into a rock. And that shot where they're they're swinging over this wide expanse we have a shot down between we see the ground and shaggy's legs kind of f- above it flailing yeah it, flailing it's a great shot i really felt like i was there i will say i'm a little surprised that the song that plays during the chase scene wasn't performed by jc chaze yeah that's that's true i don't know who did the song although i'm generally inclined to look that up but it was nothing n-sync or n-sync-y uh, it's 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 kind of like the Insane. pop punk that is very prevalent throughout this this show this era of the show, mm. um, which is to say that like the theme is is performed by Simple Plan. I'd forgotten that. Um, but to your point, we have a it's <laughs> it's a giant log tied to something up higher that Velma and the cop release that swings down to hit the the villains, but the cop is on the log when he releases it. <laughs> it's it's but it's yeah. good fun. Don't do this at home, kids. But it, it kicks off like a Rube Goldberg-esque uh, sequence and w- that ultimately ends up with, with the, the doppelgang being caught up in a net. Mm. They walk over, and, and this mm. is very funny to me, but the person they cho- choose to unmask is Scooby. Yeah, I mean, they've got five people to choose from, and they choose to unmask Scooby first, who turns out to be the right person well, to unmask. Well, here's the thing, here's the thing. Okay. My initial thought is that they're robots. Mm. I, like, 100%. A thousand percent, that was the only possibility in my mind, Mm -hmm. because they have superpowers. Super strength, super agility, they have glowing eyes, they look exactly like the gang looks. All signs point to Robot. I expected him to pull off Scooby's um, mask. And And it would be like Wallace and Gromit. Like a a Terminator-esque, you know, like, like Scooby skull. You were right. You were right in saying that they chose the right member to unmask. And why is that? That is because... Scooby is not a robot. Scooby is someone we've met before. Really quick, I have to say, I love all of the different possibilities we have here. Could be George. He got their signatures. Could be the cop. He seems evil. Could be the person that accused them because she was obviously not right. It is J.C. Shawzay dressed up as Scooby, who they unmask at the end. So you have this wonderful shot where it's a dog body with a man head. A man head. Not just a man head, but a member of NSYNC's head. I loved it. I loved it, although it didn't make s- it, it. It starts to make less sense as we proceed with this. Well, it turns out that um, this I liked. Rachel never shut up about Shaggy. This is seeded in there well because we did learn that she always was talking about Shaggy to uh, to JC. She told him all about Shaggy, and JC hated that. He wanted to get rid of Shaggy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a kind of dialogue where you know you say it out of politeness. Oh, I've heard so much about you, but in this case, it's the real deal. He has heard too much about him. Yeah, and, th- and there is a nice, there's a note of tension when we hear that the first time because there's bad things to hear about Shaggy. He, he didn't break up the most great, actually he was, he broke up fine. Rachel reacted badly. And, and um, JC goes on to reveal that actually all of the other members of, of the doppelgang, they're like American Ninja Warrior winners. He, he, <laughs> he doesn't say that, although they should be. 
that and then some, they're just extras with um, professional uh, Hollywood makeup to make them look like uh, the gang members. There's no note on how they were able to do the physical feats they did. Yeah, he actually says that they're extras. They're extras. Yeah, these are not, again, they're not American Ninja Warriors winners or even contestants. They're just people. And when we pull off the masks, they look like regular Joes. So, so what about the teenagers, though? What about everyone who's been abducted? Okay, so, uh, yeah, some cleanup here. The teenagers, Fred points out, were all at JC's cabin. Uh, we found out earlier that JC bought a cabin on the edge of town so we could be closer to Rachel when he's not touring. And that's where all the teenagers are staying and partying and having a good time. So apparently this is a world without cell phones. So, so they were abducted, but were having... So, even if they had phones, they were having so much fun, they did not care to inform anyone else of where they were. Mm-hmm. Wait, really quick, J.C. Chazé, they knew it was him, because they knew it was his place. And so all one person had to do was text someone else, hey, I'm at J.C. Chazé's, and that's the mystery solved. You know you know what I think is the deal? Is that this was a world before, because mm. this is like the early aughts, this is a world mm. before social media. So no one was like Instagramming this wild party. I think that's the main thing. That would be the whole, there, there would have to be an additional device to make it clear why there were on, they were on an island here and not able to communicate back. But that is, that's where everyone was there. We also learned that J.C. Chazé had, uh, had sent all these valentines to the gang, and that's how he got them to go somewhere. It's not explained how we got their signatures back from George, who uh, should not have given those. Like, when you sign for something, that signature doesn't go to whoever sent you the thing. Um, there's, there's one throwaway line, and then we'll, we'll completely wrap this up. Daphne complains a lot in this episode about very, like, trivial things. Yeah, at one point when she's in prison, Velma says, Daphne's having a hard time. She had to have Instead tap of bottled water. water. They, were all, yeah. they didn't have bottled water. And in this yeah. case, she, she bemoaned the, the fact that she was played by an extra. Uh, and she, she says, uh, what, was Sarah Michelle Gellar too busy? <laughs> I did like that. I like that she thought of Sarah Michelle Gellar. We will have a bunch of listeners who were in the know, but she was the actress who played Daphne in the 2002 movie. Yeah, so it is a great reference to that. We also see Rachel forgive J.C. Chazé. She says, oh my gosh, you did that for me? And that's it. That's true love. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of like um, the beach beastie. The person who should, by all rights, be angry realizes that the other person was only doing this for love, and that proves the other person's devotion to them. Yeah, it it kind of vindicates them in a way that maybe it shouldn't. I don't know what kind of values Scooby-Doo is teaching here, but the big takeaway is that JC is a criminal. And I want everyone who may have been an NSYNC fan at one point to know that. To know that he's evil. He tried to frame people. This is a Valentine's Day episode. It's taking place on or around Valentine's Day. Shaggy says something very Shaggy-esque, which is, you know, like... I have it, uh, the line. He says, love, man, what are you going to do? It's like all the songs say, yada, 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 love will give you a headache, yada, yada, yada. I wrote down, because this is what I heard, yada, yada, yada. And if you watch it or listen to it again, I swear that's what he says. You know, he probably did. I probably just read yada, yada into it because that makes sense. Here is where I take a little bit more of a deep dive. I was thinking, oh, love will give you a headache like the songs say. What song has the lyrics, love will give you a headache? It's an NSYNC song, isn't it? No, it's not. No? There are no songs that have the lyrics, love will give you a headache. What? That is a line from a novel called Deadbeat Spouses, 
by one Lenore Depp. The full the full line is um, "Thug love will give you a headache," <laughs> and it's follow. And then the rest of the sentences before the paragraph wraps is, uh, "Thug love is false, fake, shameful, deadly, and ignorant. It is only hot romance." Wow, they could have so so easily ended with Shaggy looking at JC who's getting taken away by the cops and baby bye 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 that is right there <laughs> it's right there Shaggy but no the the way it really ends is with Scooby and Shaggy having one of their classic food gags and one of the least edible food gags I think they've done yet you know what I mean so they realize that you know Valentine's Day we can still have some fun with this and it, it, it's a man and his best friend um, what better way than to than to eat together, especially for these two? And they're at JC's place, which has a great catered table. Yeah, the spread is is phenomenal. And when I say the spread is phenomenal, what I mean to say is I looked at the buffet and it looked like it had three food items. Those food items being rice, bread, and watermelons. <laughs> it's true, Scooby. You know, you know what I mean when I say wood chipper style eating. Yes, I it's do. Like you're, nah, 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 you're like. Yeah, just beating through it. Scooby does that with a watermelon. He just wood chips it down to nothing. A whole watermelon. As Shaggy does the same thing with a watermelon between two pieces of French bread topped with a muffin. I can't think of a less appealing buffet. Um, that is the end of the episode. We can't let an episode close without mentioning the Scooby Doop. And it is its absence in this show. Like, as a series, this does not do Scooby-Doo. What is it that's absent? What is it you're talking about, man? What? Huh? What's this Scooby-Doop you tell me about, brother? I'm just a simple country boy from Coolsville, but I've never heard of this Scooby-Doop. What, what is the Scooby-Doop, my friend Evan? <laughs> Can you tell us? <laughs> um, the Scooby-Doob, it's typically Shaggy and Scooby who reenact this. They create a scenario in which the social pressures are so great that the monster has is forced to comply. It's something Evan and I think is a requisite for any complete episode of Scooby-Doo. Sadly, it's not in this episode of Scooby-Doo, which is otherwise so complete. So let's ask each other, Evan, what would we like to see as a Scooby-Doo in this episode? The, the closest that we get here is that Scooby and Shaggy are walking parallel to their counterparts their doppelgang um counterparts and they act like they're in a mirror but it's not really clear who's doing the acting or if they're both doing the acting it so it's not like a scooby everyone's been suckered into it including scooby and shaggy like they need to be the ones duping the other people or the members of the gang must be do you ha- do you have one in mind you know the, the thing that comes to mind is i think the doppelgang aspect needs to be kind of central to the scooby-doop so and i like the mirror aspect I think Scooby and Shaggy should present themselves as the reflection of the doppelgangers and do something with that. I have an idea. Oh, yeah? It is very, it is very, um, when I say of its time, I mean, like, contemporary, like, now. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess it's still Scooby and Shaggy. They see Scooby and Shaggy. Um, and what they do is, uh, they present the fake Shaggy with, um, a statement that has how much they owe to their college like their college loan <laughs> debt on it and and obviously fake shaggy is like floored because I, I don't know they owe the government like forty five thousand hmm. dollars and he starts like mopping his forehead and he like he doesn't know how he's gonna pay it off that's that's my scooby-doo i i think then scooby hands scooby 
a, an obedient school tuition. Scooby's. It's a very modest brow. amount, but dogs don't have money. <laughs> it's like two dollars. <laughs> and Shaggy's is two hundred thousand. Um, parting parting notes. I really like this episode. My disappointment with this episode is that so many threads were introduced that were not then continued. For instance, Va Velma's dissatisfaction with being paired with Fred and Daphne when she went around looking for clues. Again, we haven't seen all of this series. We haven't covered it in order yet. It was just out there. Nothing was really done with that. George the Mailman is introduced as a attractive option as a villain, unattractive though he may be in my eyes. But we never really come around back to that. We also never see the rule of threes completed with Scooby swapping out people's food for articles of clothing. So there's a lot of great stuff introduced, and I love so many of the throwaway lines, but it doesn't feel like it comes full circle. I will, I will add one last thing that feels like a missed opportunity is just sort of Fred, Fred and Daphne, right? Is, yeah. they, they didn't put a bow in that when they really it's could such have. A, it's such a light barely even a will they won't they we're not sure where either of them is coming from but i think what i appreciate most is is the realism this actually mm. the the monsters and the jumping around and like the ewok trap notwithstanding this felt like it could have been a live action episode of its time in in the aughts i could see it live action i i agree i completely agree uh, just to touch on one more thing with uh, Fred and Daphne, I do think there was such an easy thing they could have capped this episode with to really make it feel like it was come full circle, which is Fred and Daphne, while not professing any love, say, ah, oh, right, time to hit the road again, huh? I'm glad we don't have to like go our separate ways or something like that. Because oh yeah, because because they, they it, it is communicated mm -hmm. that they're they're done in Coolsville for a little while. They're gonna they're gonna head out again. Yeah, and and just the nice thing that like Fred and Daphne don't have to make the kind of quick decisions that uh, Shaggy and Rachel had to make because they get to go on the road again together. One final final thing that they definitely do not wrap up is they don't show as J C Chazé is arrested. They don't show his dog also being arrested. I I almost said they don't do anything with the dogs at the end. <laughs> Except for Scooby, but yeah, no, we. I don't think we see his dog ultimately at the end. We only see the, his dog once. Yeah, in the diner. That's literally it. That's the only reference to it. It would have made sense, you know what? No, because he's so small, he couldn't okay, have yeah, been Scooby. Canines, police dogs. Canines arrest that dog and then like put it into a into a dog crate or something like that. But but I just mean that like he could have been like when they pulled the mask back from Scooby, it could have been him. Oh, so but easily. He's, like, a fifth of the size. Oh, I'm so glad we're getting back to this real quick. In the very opening scene where we first see the car roof ripped open, the silhouette is of a human with middle part hair exactly like JC's. It's presumably JC out of costume. Welcome to the outro portion of our very special Valentine's Day episode. Uh, normally we do this, you know, occasionally at the end of an episode, but let's get it out of the way now. I love you, Evan. Happy Valentine's Day. I love you. Okay, listeners, we haven't done it in a while. It's a running thing that I don't always get much back for that. But hey, it's okay, Evan. Will you at least be my Valentine? What does that entail? Just being my Valentine. What, what, what does it mean to you? I, I just, I feel like there should be stipulations as to what comes along with that title. It means that if anyone asks you, Evan, who is your 2018 Valentine, you have to say Luke, Doty. Uh, the football player. No, not the football player. Not the Florida State. No, you know, yes, football player. yes. Luke Doty, the no, football my, player. Your co-host. People will probably... my 2018 
Valentine. I, I need you to stop saying that there's another Luke Doty out there on the, my there is one. Another Luke Doty out there. There is not. There is this Luke Doty, and I am. I'm. I need to be your Valentine. There is another. He is arguably more successful than you are. You haven't even turned me down for being a Valentine yet. You've accepted a non-existent offer from another Luke Doty. I mean, do you love him, Evan? I, do you love him? I'm just saying that if he were to ask me if I wanted to be his Valentine. I think I'd say yes. Okay, well, he's not asking you. I'm asking you. This, but if he was, you've got a Luke Doty. At least I'm preemptively accepting. Okay, well, th- okay, you can use this podcast is also your platform to broadcast whatever messages you want to whoever you want. But right now, between you and me, because it's also kind of a, a time for us to hang out, will you be my Valentine? You haven't answered yet. I'm already spoken for. <laughs> no, you aren't. You haven't accepted any other offers yet. <laughs> No, you have There's another. You've you've said you would, I've but you haven't. Preemptively accepted no. an offer. No. Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I know you want to hear where else you can follow up with us, but give me a minute, Evan. What's your 2019 Valentine look like? <laughs> can I get in on that? Can I waitlist that early? You would be surprised how preemptively I've accepted uh, these offers. How far out do I have to go? How far out? <laughs> Uh, you know, let me... What? Do I have to go Vision 2020? 2024? You know, get get back to me in 2024, and I'll see if anything has opened up for for the following decade. Okay, what if, what if Luke Doty accepts the other... <laughs> what, if, what if a football tra- player who shares my name accepts for this year? Can I then have... Be your, you can be my Valentine for next year? But why would I want to break... That co- that combo. You want to combo yeah. it. You want to combo that. Isn't it more of a combo to do like multiple loops? Have you ever played a fighting game? Once you once you settle on a punch that works, you don't <laughs> intersperse other kicks in there. This is the part that hurts the most somehow. Is that you would use that reference that kind of gameplay in our relationship, and and with that, you know what? I don't love you, Evan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, wait, no. I do love you, Evan. <laughs> no, I saw it hurt you. I love you, Evan. I love you. And I love our dear listeners, and I love more than anything our dear patrons, who I'll mention first of all this time. The folks that donate to us on Patreon.com. Do you love our patrons, Evan? I do, actually. Really? Because I am two of our patrons. Two of our patrons are me. So what you're really saying is, you'll love me too, Evan. On this fine Valentine's Day. Uh... First of all, this episode comes out mm. two days prior to Valentine's. <laughs> Didn't count. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, and secondly, I've removed those patrons. No, you, you haven't, have you? <laughs> have you? Did you remove them and I didn't notice? I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what we do is um, all of that money goes towards, like, you... Like Luke likes to say, keeping the lights on, uh, which typically means paying our artists. Um, and we actually have a new artist this time around. Uh, her name is Napasorn, and you can find her on Tumblr at uh, Picnic Moon. That's how I'm choosing to read it. It is spelled P-X-N-I-C-M-O-O-N.tumblr.com. And I realize that the last one of our artists was Sparemoon.tumblr.com. I guess this is a trend You think now. there's a moon connection? A moon trend. A moon combo. Would you say that's a moon combo? 
Yeah. Really? Because that's two different moons, so, okay? Listen. Because they're not the same moon. It needs to be different to be a combo. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so anyway, check out her stuff. She's really wonderful. Uh, I think she drew a really beautiful title card for this episode. Um, it is amazing. Thank you, for, thank you all of our patrons. Thank you all of our patrons. One thing I mentioned to Evan before we recorded this episode is that I really love the work in progress GIF or GIF of this week's title card. You can check that out if you go to patreon.com slash scoobydudes and donate just about any amount of money, but you should donate all of your money to us on patreon.com slash scoobydudes, just like all of our beloved donors are donating every single penny that they've got. They're not holding anything back. Are you? I trust not. And I thank you, patrons, <laughs> who I list now. So I don't know how that's going to play, but thank you for letting me do it. <laughs> okay. Um, find us on Facebook. It's just facebook.com slash scoobydudes. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. We are at the Scooby Dudes on Twitter. The one and only the Scooby Dudes. Uh, visit our website. Like Luke said, it's scoobydudes.com. You can find um, that beautiful title card by Napasaur, and you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, it's, it's a really great place to get more content and all of that is free yeah along with funny screenshotted captions and you can learn more find the portal to all of our other stuff you can also if uh you would care to give us a little bit of a hand uh write us a five star review on itunes that would really help us get a little bit more visibility not for nothing if you write us a five star review evan will read it on air on the podcast Spe speaking of which do we have a new one um so we have we have a lot of American reviews to the point that we now have like an an average, which is five stars, which is which is fantastic. We have enough American reviews to get for them to say this is the average rating. Um, I've been wanting us to get more Canadian reviews so that we can have enough reviews for iTunes to give us an average. We have enough American reviews, fantastic. Canada, we had only had one review. Here's what I'll say: if you wrote us an American review, pop over to Canada. You can't do that. I don't. I don't. I don't think you can do that. Get a VPN, a virtual private network. Personally, I use uh, uh, private internet, uh, okay? PIA, that's a, that's a great one. Um, but no, please, it would be great if we could get an average on iTunes don't in Canada. Don't ask our American... Listeners, please commit fraud for us. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... Listeners, don't commit fraud for us. A brave stance, I know, but allow me to be the angel on your shoulder. Look, I, I know we've got a lot of uh, younger listeners. Here's what I'm going to say. Get mommy or daddy's credit card. Purchase a plane ticket to Canada. Maybe grab grab daddy's or mommy's work laptop while you're at it so that you can have something. Get their iTunes. See what kind of iTunes account they have. Make sure they have a Canadian iTunes for when you get there. Write us that five-star review as soon as you touch down. While you have that credit card, go to Scooby. Go to Patreon.com. Oh, yeah, Patreon.com. You know, sign your parents up. <laughs> That's the kind of fraud I can get behind. I'm going to read this review. Is that cool? <laughs> okay, please do. Um, on, no on February 7th, 2018, someone who goes by the Scoobster, one word, left us a five-star review. This is a, Okay, is this a surprise to you? I can't tell. It is. I, I did not know about this. Okay. As you know, Evan, I am negligent in all of my duties. You, you will understand why I ask this question. The title of this review is one word, and that word is Luke. Huh? Your your, I can only assume that's our other Patreon donor, our, our Luke, listeners, who is actually not me. <laughs> our listeners will be able to determine whether or not 
that was a that pause was suspect <laughs> honestly right now i'm suspecting myself what what did i do did i do that i don't think i did I'm gonna, that okay i'm gonna read it see if this rings any okay. bells luke is so it's so with two o's there's gonna be a lot of like sick uh you know what okay. i mean like when something is misspelled hmm. but i'm just gonna read it as wait as no hang on that is okay so spelled. is not misspelled that's an intensifier that's meaning like so mm -hmm. can you say it like that please okay please i will Thank i will you. lengthen it slightly luke is so handsome thank you and evan has a thick head of hair <laughs> well evan these are words i haven't heard never have i heard these words he is not only good looking but he is also is smarter than evan <laughs> Oh, I know it just it just bucked believability for me. <laughs> it broke fantasy. Now, Evan has to read this and then in in um parentheses, evil laugh. <laughs> PS This is not Luke writing this. Semicolon right parentheses. <laughs> I'm amazed that's not me. I'm truly astounded that that is not me. So So thank you. With thank all, you. With and, all and by the way, I'm not say, really quick. Thank you, and I'm not thanking the review writer, whoever that brave hero was. But thank you, Evan, for those kind words that you looked me in the eye and said. I, I, I just, with that review, <clears throat> having having left my lips, I will end this episode by saying, I hope you have a happy Valentine's Day, Luke. Thank you. I hope you also have a happy Valentine's Day, Evan, and I love you because you're my dear friend and we've known each other for so many years and I love doing this podcast with you and it might not be the kind of love that's typically celebrated on Valentine's Day but I think I know it you know it our listeners know it that there is love here in both of the rooms that we're recording mine in here in Minnesota in the United States and yours in Canada and we're very far apart but I think we've been close in heart for a long time and I'm glad that with this podcast we can become yet closer to each other and we can learn to appreciate each other more and more. And I've definitely learned to appreciate you more since last Valentine's Day. I, uh, I love you more just about every day, Evan. Um, and I'm, I, uh, I sometimes worry that there's an upper limit to my love and that one day it'll all come where I only... <laughs> <laughs> Evan, could you not... Could you not... Mm. Could you not use to play the? the <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I got you that for Christmas, so I I think I'm gonna take this as a, as kind of like a a Morse code, <laughs> a Morse code message of your your returned affection for me. Don't do it though, please. Just let just. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done here. <laughs>